Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we talk about Rebel Land Rovers in the news, con body kits, and then it's time for an update on all the projects going on in the workshops and some brand new additions to the Varus Collection. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the hydraulic spool valve to Stephen's Bluetooth winch remote. I'm the predictable control of podcasting. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, a big week in the news here. There is a brand new Rover Log article from our good friend, Cousin Greg. He has written all about one of our favorite topics, the Rebel Rally. If you haven't, I'll be damned. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, Greg goes through all of the different teams, all four teams that ran in Land Rovers in this year's Rebel Rally. Talks about their race, talks about their rigs. Uh, it's a great, it's a great article. And, uh, Greg's a good friend of the show, and, uh, good, good all around Land Roverer. Yeah, just to you know clarify, he's talking about the competition, not their ethnicity. Uh, that's right. Yes, that's right. So yeah, he talks about the the Hoenn Adventures team. Uh, you know. Uh, that would be comprised of Karen and uh, Dana. They, they're they in, a, what, a 2013 LR4? That's right. I believe. Yep, that's right. And they've ran and that for a also, few years now. And then uh, Team 113, Maria Reyes and Hannah Temkin yep. in the 2001 Disco 2, also known as Bernard. Very lovable and full of character, that Bernard. She's got certainly, a great story about certainly that. Certainly one of it's the really most a, famous Discovery 2s, I think, going these days. Really a story of spite, yeah. of, you know, based on her telling. Uh, someone recommended that she not buy that, and she was like, I'm going to do this anyway. Yes. And she she sure showed them and, and had a successful rally. If memory serves, there was a, a mechanic in the mechanics area who who kept, you know, teasing them that he would see them soon. And, you know, they they left, didn't left stymied. have to have any repairs yep. executed. Yep. So they, they showed him. That's exactly right. And yeah, they, they, they didn't. And it, it explicably, a Land Rover Discovery 2 on a multi-day Overland rally did not have any mechanical issues. It's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Pretty impressive finish for them. I was actually impressed to hear them tell their story about that. She got that car going. It had been sitting for some time and yeah. did the rally yeah. and. That was that was pretty impressive. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then of course our own Jenna and Liza yeah. in the 2023 Defender 130 supplied by Land Rover. Yeah, that's right. And then Team 107, the Dusty Turtles. Yep. They are gray in April Leon. Yep. They had a 2012 LR4, also a successful rally for them. So yeah. just kind of a, a good rundown or introduction to the event there on the Land Rover side from, like you said, Cousin Greg. Love that guy. He's the best Land Rover author slash lighthouse enthusiast I know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, head on over to you know, the Rover Log. That's a publication of Atlantic British and check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. Very, very cool stuff. In other news, and I know this is one of your favorite uh, topics there, Rikers, is the Land Rovers with absurd body kits. This may be you know what? I'm, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say this is one of the most absurd uh, body kits uh, that I've seen. And I'm not saying that absurd is bad. I'm simply saying that 
you know, that absurd is absurd. Uh, this defender called the prototype X, which is the the widest, blackest, most murdery Darth Vader looking new defender I, I've ever seen, I think, you know. I think if you're in the market for a body kit for your defender, silly is definitely the order of the day. Yeah. And in this case, we have the, like you said, the widest, blackest, dirtiest, murdered outest, yeah. steroidiest, tact- most tactical. Yes you know, a Land Rover that could possibly exist. If you want the embodiment of a, what would you say here? Like some sort of, it's like the Glock of Land Rovers, maybe. (laughs) It sure is. is It's like a a Land Rover met a Glock met met Ed 209 from the original RoboCop film. It's just a, it's just a big blocky kind of weird uh, sort of thing. But hey, if you're into that, um, you know, this is definitely the car for you. One thing that I, I did notice on this body kit is that they've mm-hmm. they've actually narrowed the headlight opening even more. Uh, there's now only maybe about two inches of headlight on the front of this car, and no one will accuse the new Defender of having like the largest headlight surface in the whole world. They actually work fine. The headlights are super bright, and they're steering and all that kind of stuff. But they, you know, people sort of, you know, I think compare the new Defender to sort of a a squinty face, right? It, it's frowning a little bit because its eyes are a little half closed. Well, this, you know, this is now really narrowing that gaze. <laughs> You know, it's really staring intently at you. And hey, if you're into that, this is the way to go, you know? Yeah, you know, I think uh, what's interesting about this car is when you honk the horn, it it has a, a voice that comes over a loudspeaker that says, you have five seconds to comply. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And in other con body kit news, this actually isn't so much a body kit as it is a customization pass. They're doing a something that they're calling uh, the Heritage Remastered Variant, which is apparently inspired by elements of the original uh, Huey 166 car. I'm not exactly sure what elements those are, but this is another air dam switch out and some new wheels and a different tilty paint color that is not even remotely close to any color to HUE 166 has ever been. And... A feature I really like, the either 90 or 110 spray painted onto the front grill, which is an interesting choice. You know, uh, there's not a lot about this car that screams heritage about this vehicle. It's, <laughs> I mean, I guess it says heritage. It's actually screaming it, but it, it is nothing yeah. about it cosmetically no. really. It, it does have steel wheels, I guess, and yeah. it, it, it has an ivory top. Yes. Ivory is a color that was used on Series 1s. Yeah but not on Hughes 166, as we all know, that's That's a soft top. So it's a little unclear what they were going for here on this car. It's kind of a greenish brown, you know, color. It's kind of like the the Land Cruiser olive. Yeah, it is an olive looking color. I mean, they describe it as a brown color, but it, yeah, it looks kind of olive. It's a bit odd. The interesting thing is this one, at least as they have it in their photos, does come configured with that weird middle seat. I think, again, as sort of an homage to the original Series one cars, the 80 inch that has, of course, well, I mean, every every uh, series car had the option for a for a center seat. So this has this has that that silly modern Defender center seat, which is which is always fun to see. And of course, the, you know, Chelsea tractor. I like the center seat. You know, I I know that some people poo poo the middle seat uh, available on the new Defender, but I kind of like it. I've only sat in one. I've never actually ridden anywhere in it. I would be interested to do it. So if someone has a center seat in the Los Angeles area and would like to come and give me a ride, I am more than willing to sit beside you in the center seat if uh, you if you're interested. I like in how it's just it's just a little bit elevated. Yeah. You know, yeah, you sit it's up like, a little higher. Yeah. 
like you're you're sitting on a pro wrestler's lap. That's right. it's just you know, just a little bit more elevated above everything else. I think it's, that's what they great. were going for. Uh, it, this one has the quilted basketball seat covers does, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every early series one has, that's, as you all know. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's very true to form. Every con automotive car does have these wilted leather seats with the, you know, I guess it's slightly better leather. I don't know. The funny thing is, is this one has the teeny tiny display, the, the built-in computer display in the middle of the dash. This, for some reason, Heritage Edition has the smaller of the available screens, which is sort of interesting. I mean, I'm sure this thing is, is extraordinarily expensive. I don't know if I saw a price in the in the list. So it's $106,000 uh, US. This was called the Defender Heritage Remastered Model. Yeah. So it was mastered already, and then they've just gone through and remastered it. It's been remastered. Double mastered. And it has a giant 90, like, uh, I guess, painted on the back of it? Yeah. So on the um, tire cover, it is, yeah, it's probably three feet tall. <laughs> it's the entire tire cover uh, that simply says 90. So, but, you know, notice what they have deleted from this car, like, is the signature panel is missing. They have deleted the signature panel, which I guess, you know, I'm in favor of. Yep. I think it's, I'm in favor of that. Now my my impression is that you can you can order the 90 without Yeah, that. the 90 you can order without it. I don't see a 110 although they make mention that there is a 110. They don't have any pictures of it. I'm not sure if it's deleted from that as well, but but yeah, no, you can order the 90 without it. And I actually think the 90 looks really good without the signature panel cuz it's a short enough wheelbase that, you know, that back window doesn't look so awkward as it really does. If you've seen cars that have done the aftermarket a delete of that panel or they've wrapped it or something really does look like a really long expanse of black uh, but the 90 doesn't look like it. i think the 90 looks really cool with the with the panel gone so well i for one think that if you like defender special edition aftermarket body kits and weird colors and and fiberglass panels and different spoilers and weird wheels that you should get both of these cars yeah i think that's exactly right now one new car that is uh, that they were showing off at Destination Defender is the County Edition of the Defender 110 and the 90. We saw County 110. Uh, the, really, the only difference is that it has the original Land Rover colors. You get in blue and white and a few other different colors. Maybe it's just the blue, actually. And it has sort of homage to the County stickers on the side of the original Defender. If you haven't seen it, it's the sort of three stripes that kind of hockey stick down the door and it says uh, it says county uh, in the middle of it and they were um, you know what 1980s 1990s uh, you could get that package on the defender like the i don't know graphics package or whatever on the defender actually i think it came on the 110 and, and the 90 as well before there was defender i think it was available for that as well so it sort of has it isn't that it isn't a giant sticker on the door it's a little you know, it's a little graphic along the sort of just above the sill panel, but it still looks cool. And the door is a different color on the back. So it's a, you know, it has a black door and blue body panels, which is, which is kind of cool. I thought it was neat. Also has a, has a blue roof, I believe yeah. on both the, I think the nineties and, and I could be wrong. I believe the nineties come in white with blue stripes mm -hmm. and a blue roof. Yeah. And then the one tens, I believe come in black with blue stripes and a blue roof. So uh, they both have steel wheels and uh, we did see the County edition at destination defender. And it's rather striking. I liked I, it. I, I couldn't help but like it a little bit. Yeah. You know, this was, this was kind of a, a subtle, you know, homage yeah. to, we've been using that word a lot. I, know, I feel mom, like, yeah, I feel like we've been using that a lot. Maybe, too, rate, much. Maybe too much. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. And I think that like you get this really neat sort of, you know, nostalgic sort of hit for those people who 
know what the original county sort of sticker package looked like. And, you know, if you don't, it's just kind of cool. And, and you know, Toyota's doing it now with sort of Toyota, you know, yellow and red down the side of the cars and stuff. So it's it's becoming more fashionable, I guess, to put stickers on the outside of, uh, of your car from the factory again. So that's, that's a trend I don't mind. I don't mind a sticker and it, on your I believe it comes with the 493 horsepower V8 and the outbound spec. Right, yes, full, full outbound spec, which honestly... It, you know, in the 130, uh, if I were to be purchasing a 130, I actually think the outbound spec is pretty cool. I looked at one at Destination Defender, and with the hard panels on the on the back windows and all that sort of stuff, it's actually pretty cool. And the cargo space is is radically reconfigured. It it really is uh, really set up for more cargo. You can put the air compressor in there. You can do a lot of things that you can't do with the normal 130 with the seats in the back um, because it does have all of that cargo space. So uh, it's pretty cool. So if you need a you know, you want a 110, but you need a little bit more cargo space. The outbound edition 130 is definitely worth it. So speaking of worth it, what's uh, what's happening in the old Pangolin 4x4 shop as you have been on a world tour for the last uh, what seems like six months? I imagine everyone there has gone completely feral and as uh, a Lord of the Flies type you know, structure, I imagine, has developed while you've been away. Yeah, when I came back to the shop and flipped on the lights, uh, they were all crowded around a carcass tearing it apart. Mm -hmm. So now that we've got them all back in their overalls and working on cars again, yeah. we are working on a 1953 80-inch, which we've talked a little bit about yeah. on the show. This is a car is a, a patina car. It uh, has a cool history and uh, it was used at a, a giant ranch, 37,000 acres in Santa Maria, California. Mm -hmm. And it has a cool sign written logo on the door. And uh, we've been making quite a bit of progress on that car. So while I was gone in between tearing apart carcasses and throwing rocks and feces at each other, yeah. we we got the brake lines run Ooh. on the car. So uh, the hydraulics are all plumbed in and uh, the wiring harness is in the chassis. Ooh. You know, they pulled that through the yep. chassis. So yep. it's on four wheels. So that's cool. We're going to be uh, it's on rollers right now, but we've built some original Land Rover split rims mm, for that car. Cool. Oh, cool. So we've got all the hardware for those. Yep. And uh, that's kind of a unique feature of mm -hmm. this vehicle. So it'll have some interesting wheels and tires with tons and tons of bolts and neat little details on the wheels for this vehicle. Oh. And then uh, we've been going through the bodywork. It's all original mm -hmm. and we're pretty well leaving it that way. But uh, structurally, over the years of use around the ranch, it has wired lots of cracks and we're repairing all of those cracks. Yeah. So welding them up where necessary, you know, re-riveting and spot welding a couple of places so that it's structurally, you know, ready to use again. So the new owner is going to take it down to Florida mm -hmm. and he's going to run it around there in the sunshine. So it's going to it's going to see some use on the beach. It's going to see some use driving around. So it's got to be structurally up to snuff. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, it's very time consuming to do all the, you know, careful aluminum welding of all those cracks. And, and there's a lot of them over 75 years yeah. of various breakages and that sort of thing. So instead of replacing all those parts, we're we're going to. We're gonna fix it all. Ah, that's which really is definitely cool. more time consuming. Oh, for so sure. It, it'll be cool because it'll it'll give the whole vehicle a uniform, you know, well used but in good condition sort of appearance. So I'm excited about this project. Uh, it's really come together. The whole drivetrain's already rebuilt and in the car. And Linus just got the dash built with all rebuilt gauges mm -hmm. and new switches. And it's still got its patina to it. So it's still the bat dash is original paint. We reused all the original bezels. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so it's got a, a well-worn look, but everything's completely functional. The 
you know, speedometer, odometer, amps gauge, lighting switches. And then he's got the wiring, the dash sub harness all all put together on the backside of that. So it's really shaping up. So I'm excited to see this one come together. It has, you know, 99% of its original parts that we've repaired to put back on the car. So it's going to be a really neat car, all Sheridan's fasteners. Mm -hmm. It'll be cool. It'll be super That's cool. super cool. How do you guys run your wires uh, through the chassis? Do you have some specialty jig work or do you just have peanut no, run through actually, the inside of a frame rail? Or That's a, that's it. Yeah, we tie the wires to a, a gerbil mm-hmm. and then we, we suck a Cheeto through a vacuum cleaner uh-huh. and the gerbil chases the Cheeto mm-hmm. and pulls the harness through the chassis. The harness through the chassis, yeah. yeah. Surprised mm-hmm. you didn't know that. No, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I have a similar sort of system, <laughs> but yeah, it involves a series of hoses and tubes and uh, yeah, suction. And, uh, yeah. I do do the uh, tie a piece of paper towel to a string and uh, suck it with a vacuum through the, the chassis. That does uh, that does sometimes work. Sometimes works. You know, I have not had good luck no. with that because there's so many <laughs> other holes in the chassis. Yeah, that, uh, yeah you got to kind of plug the, them up. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's like diminishing returns. So if the original harness is still in the chassis, right. you know, as it is on some cars that we're rewiring, then we'll just tie it to the original harness and then pull the original harness out and that pulls the new harness yep. in. So that's uh, the simplest way to do it. In the case that we've galvanized the Mm -hmm. chassis or it's another replacement chassis or something like that where there's not a harness in it, we use an electrician's fish Fish tape. And it's just a stiff piece of wire. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times you get the fish tape through the chassis. If you go from back to front, then it's difficult to fish the fish tape out, if you will. Yeah. So what we do in that case, we'll put a loop of welding wire mm-hmm. down into the chassis through the hole that's in the top. And when we run the fish tape through, then we're able to pull that welding wire out the top, pulling the fish tape out. Right. Then we tie the new harness in and it's pretty and, straightforward. And but the fish tape's really the the key and, and electricians use that. It's They're pretty readily available. But that's what we use. The okay. Linus has been trying to, to get us to go to the gerbil method, but, but, yes, but we were I think it's just really an excuse for him to buy gerbils. Well, yeah, yeah. It feels like he has an oversupply really... already and it sort of justifies that. Yeah. It's a little weird. It's, it's a, a little weird if I'm being honest. Weird, he yeah. keeps uh, trying to make that a business expense. Yeah. You know, hey, he's uh, I mean, entrepreneurial. <laughs> Let's just say that. So we'll just leave it that way. <laughs> Well, down here at the old uh, at the old Barris collection shop, uh, it has been more collection than anything these days. Two more cars. Two more cars, because why not? You finally uh, brought down my uh, yellow station wagon that I purchased from Minus about a year ago. I was storing it up there with you guys until you had to come down here, and then I could force you to bring it for me, uh, which was great. Uh, that worked out. Yeah, you, worked you did, in fact, force me to bring just it. just waited you bring out. It, yeah, so. it's just a waiting game. You waited me out. It waited you out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great car. I've been driving that. Uh, in fact, I'm driving that right now. That's sort of my run around daily right now and love it. It's, uh, you know, it starts and drives and steers and everything just wonderfully. I had a meeting with uh, some other production folks here in town and we took it over to the the local um, taco place and they loved it. Unfortunately, I only have one of the four seats uh, installed in the back. I haven't gotten around to putting the other three in. And so one of them just had to sort of like, you know, deal with that because no one was willing to go three up in the front. That's really too bad. And it uh, says something about the closeness of your colleagues. It's true. Yeah, no, it's uh, more than that. But yeah, so next project on that will be to put the crank driven winch on the front of it, uh, which will be awesome. All the parts are there to do that. I think save maybe one little drive shaft or something. I got to look. But um, it's all ready to go. That'll be super fun. That's a Land Rover cable winch uh, for the front of that a wagon and it is super original and super cool and uh, yeah really that is fun. the for those of you that don't know that's the koenig crank drive yeah. winch uh, very similar to the one that was fitted to the front of oxford and cambridge mm-hmm. so 
you know, this series one is also a short wheelbase station wagon. So it'll give it that, you know, vintage expedition flavor and a cool North American original factory option. So the history of that car is is somewhat shrouded in mystery. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, uh, sold off at an anonymous uh, auction in in the like late 90s or early 2000s, I want to say. And it was from the estate of some, you know, Hollywood, yeah. you know, per- person, but we just don't know. We don't who. know who. Yeah, so we don't know who. If some listener yeah. has some information about the history of that yeah. yellow station, station wagon, wagon. Uh, that would be interesting to to hear more about because yeah. I I have a feeling it has a little bit of an unknown but very interesting backstory that we haven't we haven't heard all the that there is to hear yeah, about. Yeah, this is Errol Flynn's uh, yellow station wagon, or maybe... Who later became the head of BMW. That's, right. that's, exactly, that's exactly right, yes. And so you've got the, you got the yellow station wagon. What else Yellow station get? wagon. She's she's up and running. And just just the other day, like I, we were actually still a destination uh, defender. We were on our way back. The 1960 Land Rover Firefly uh, fire appliance uh, arrived from our very good friends out on the East Coast, Ben and Eric and the... And the gang have been caring for this beautiful uh, fire appliance along with their uh, with their DC three airplane. Uh, they have been uh, the stewards of this uh, fun little 109 inch uh, Series two A fire tender. It has all of its original kit. It has hoses. It has lights. It has pumps. It has valves. It has everything you could ever need to tend a small oil field fire. It's uh, in running condition. I drove it around today. It's great. I got the siren working. Some wires had fallen off on its journey here, but we managed to get those hooked back up and its adorable little siren is up and running again. Next up, we'll be getting some of the lights fixed so that the floodlights come on and some of that sort of stuff. But man, it's super cool. Super cool. It's a super cool truck and one of very, very few North American fire engines and There's only two others that I'm aware of that were originally used in North America. One is an 80-inch that's uh, converted here in North America. It's a headlights behind the grill car. It is on the western coast of Canada. That's a neat truck. I want to say it was converted by Pierce. The other one is your car, the Firefly, and that car is really cool, well-optioned, you know, very original car. That's a super neat, neat vehicle. And then one just popped up recently in Alberta, Mm. a short wheelbase, Mm. and it looks like it's been maybe restored at some point right. in its past. Saw it the other day on the Ottawa Valley Facebook yeah, group, I believe. Yeah. And it resides at some museum in Alberta. In Alberta so. Yeah, yeah. I saw that as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, the funny story behind this is, as many people know, I'm from uh, from Calgary, Canmore, Alberta. And this was stationed on a uh, British uh, American oil field between Calgary and Edmonton for its uh, the most most of its working career was there in 1969 when Phillips bought British American oil. A lot of this stuff just got put into storage and uh, sort of just sat there. And this was one of those things. It sat in storage in, in Alberta for a very long time and was eventually found and then sold down into the U.S. It went to Montana for a little while, but but it still has its 1969 Alberta commercial vehicle certification sticker. British American, uh, when they were purchased, uh, they became BA, which is interesting because my grandfather owned a BA gas station. So not only was this vehicle from maybe, you know, within a few hours of where I grew up, but it actually worked for the sort of predecessor to the company that my grandfather owned a gas station for. So uh, super cool. I've got uh, some friends back home looking for original 1960 
commercial license plates from Alberta for it. There's a specific oil field commercial license plate that that car definitely would have had at the time. And they're looking for, uh, for one of those for me to put on for shows and stuff. And uh, we're going through, we're actually going to take it to the fire department uh, here in Valencia in uh, the next couple of weeks and see if we can't find the oldest fireman there and see if he can help us decipher sort of how some of this stuff works. There's an onboard water reservoir, according to Mike Bishop. Uh, we should be able to fill that with water and the pump spins off the PTO. And so theoretically, we could we could fill it up with water and uh, it has all the nozzles, it has all the hoses, it has everything I think you would need. And if that's the case, then we're going to go put out some fires, I guess. I mean, I think we're obligated to at that point. So I mean, that's really what you do with a fire truck, that or a hose down protester. Exactly so right. you really, uh, you're really going to have some fun with that thing. It's a, it's a neat car. And, you know, I think that taking it by the fire station, would, uh, well, that would make for some good content. Yeah. You should, you should definitely film that. Well, I think that would be really interesting. Cool. The operation of a Land Rover fire engine is not a skill and ability that most Land Rover enthusiasts have. So I think that would be good to get that knowledge out into the Land Rover community. That's right. So that just in case you run across a Land Rover fire appliance, you have a little bit of wherewithal on how to successfully operate it. So it's just a good mm -hmm. life skill, you know, good mm -hmm. life skill, I think, you know, so. All right. Well, at that, speaking of the old content, if you haven't been to our YouTube channel and you're not yet tired of us constantly talking about our YouTube channel, uh, why not head on over? there to the Underpowered Hours YouTube and check it out. We've got all kinds of great stuff. We've got one of my favorite films, Bob Ives Goes to Oregon, which is a journey through the snowy hills of rural Oregon with uh, none other than Camel Trophy legend uh, Bob Ives and uh, Dan, his uh, entrepreneurial and Land Rover mechanic -y expert, also expert combine driving uh, son. And we had a good time. We had the whole gang up there, the whole pangolin shop closed down for the day and zoomed up into the, uh, the snowy peaks to find our fortunate adventure. Those guys are great. Uh, really enjoyed their visit. Can't wait to see them again. Um, looking forward to it. We had a lot of visiting this uh, this month. We've had uh, the Destination Defender and seeing uh, Mr. Dimbleby and Mr. Landrover slash Mr. Bishop to some other friends and colleagues. So that's been super fun. And the fun continues. Next week, our good friend Vlado Steck from yep. Slovakia is coming, and we're going to do an international uh, Land Rover Thanksgiving yep. here at uh, Pangolin 4x4, so we're, uh, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to treat Vlado to a, an American Thanksgiving, the likes of which he has surely never seen before. So right. uh, that's gonna Are you going to come fun. up with some Thanksgiving be... traditions that aren't real to see if you can goad him into yes. thinking they're real? Yeah. Yes, we are soliciting for ideas mm -hmm. for Land Rover traditions that may or may not be factual. So if you've got an entertaining or exciting suggestion for a Land Rover Thanksgiving tradition that we can convince Vlado that he has to yeah. take back to Slovakia. Yeah. The goal here is uh, that this catches on yes. in Slovakia. That's right. So if it's, uh, you know, uh, eating something interesting or wearing something yeah. interesting, that would be, you know, that would be super we fun. We want to know about it. Because, we want to uh, know all about it. How fun would it be to incept a Slovakian Thanksgiving tradition? You know, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it's that. Gonna We're going to try to get Vlado to sit down and have a chat with us because we haven't caught up with him in uh, quite a while. I think the last time we talked to him was when I was there in his shop in Slovakia. So it'd be great to catch up, see how he's doing. And uh, yeah, that's super fun. You guys are going to have a great time up there. And uh, what better group to experience the uh, tradition of Thanksgiving with than the Pangolin 4x4 team, certainly. I can't. Yeah, I can't either. For those of you that don't know, he has a uh, shop there in Slovakia building uh, and restoring series and Defender vehicles. And as you know, uh, that's where Landovers come from, yep. Slovakia. So Hold you all thought it was Sully Hill, but fenders are made in Slovakia. Yep. So he is more authentic than than we are here in the United States, surely. Yep. 
And uh, even those folks in jolly old England, uh, those guys don't know how to make defenders, apparently. No, they've forgotten. They've forgotten how to make defenders, unfortunately. But Well, with that bombshell, uh, it's been a slice as always, Ike. We'll talk to you next week. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, hopefully uh, your shirtless dining uh, or uh, your, you know, plague mask, uh, you know, ritual before the turkey cutting uh, goes well and Vlado enjoys that. (laughs) All right, Stephen. See you soon. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook. 